awesome to be able to worship God from wherever we are in the world. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Victory Life Church Online. One of the things that I know is always stable in my life is when I come and worship God, there's a sense of peace that comes over me. The life that we lead can be hurly-burly. It can be all over the place. It can be runaway train. It can be a crazy, crazy, crazy time. Uh, whatever you're going through right now might be really keeping you busy and wrapped up and kept up at night. But when we worship, when we take a moment to worship God, in the middle of that storm, we can have peace. In the middle of that busyness, we can have Sabbath. In the middle of all of that, we can sit back and just take God in. That's what gives us peace. Thank you for being part of the peace of worshiping God today. As you join us from wherever you are in the world, to join us here at Victory Life Church Online as we worship God together. If we haven't already met, my name is Pastor Craig, and I'm really excited that you took out some time from your week just to spend time worshiping and taking in a few things from the Word of God. A very big welcome. If you're joining us for the very first time, it's really exciting to be able to do church anywhere, anytime, anyhow, because we are able to broadcast to you. Whether you're joining us on the online church platform, whether you're joining us in Facebook, on YouTube, in any of our Roku channels, or any of our uh, Apple TV channels, a very big welcome to you. Really excited that you could be with us here today. As we take a look at um, the week, as we take a look at how busy we've been with so many things, it's so good just to be able to settle and just bring ourselves and recenter ourselves to God. Whether we've done that via prayer, whether we've done that via worship, whether we do that via our giving, whether we do that via our Bible study, however we do it, God asks us to center everything on Him. Whole soul, whole heart, whole mind. He wants us to really make sure that every element of our lives is brought back to Him and is centered to Him. Because of that centering, we can get a great peace. It's because of the world trying to pull us in so many different directions and so many different distractions of life that we lose our peace. But as God begins to shape us and mold us, we can get centered on Him in every aspect. I've been living a process out of these last 30 days of centering my life on God. Uh, taking my marriage, centering it on Him. Taking my parenting, centering it on Him. Taking my finances, centering it on Him. So even though worship with our finances is one way of centering ourselves on God, it's not the only way. Certainly is sometimes in church the one we make the biggest noise about because there's bills to pay. But God pays for everything He orders. And we know that God is behind His local church. The centering that we get when we give shows God that nothing will distract us from worshiping Him. We have nothing that we won't give back to Him. Everything is His and nothing is a distraction in our lives. Hopefully, as you give this evening your tithes and your offerings and you click on that link, you will receive the same kind of peace I have and everybody else has when they give to God out of joy. It's a great moment when we can give because it's a moment when we can say the things of the world, money, has no grip on us. We are focused and we are centered on you. So thank you so much for your tithes and your offerings as you take a moment just to give of those. Clicking on those links, safe and secure. And we promise that we will only use that money in ways that God directs us to further his kingdom. Thank you so much for your obedience and your joy and the peace that you get when we worship him and center our lives on him. And we give to him and center our finances on him. Let's pray over the worship over our time together, and also over those tithes and offerings. Father, thank you that we can come together from wherever we are in the world. 
We can worship together. We can have a sense of peace together. We can have fellowship together. We can center ourselves just for a moment on you and say, hey, Father, everything that's happened up until this moment is irrespective. We don't worry about the situation we're in. We give of ourselves and we center ourselves on you. We are amazed by you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, if you are joining us for the first time, really be, uh, we'd be really appreciative of if you could just jump on the chat, click on one of the links in any of the platforms, scan the QR code, do something to reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Where are you coming in from? What part of the world you're connecting with and from? And we just love, love, love to reach out to you and send you a personalized email and, uh, and get to know you a little bit more. Hey, if you have been coming online and been secretly stalking Brother Dwayne by going to full screen and not getting involved, hey, we'd love for you to be involved. <clears throat> What we love doing in this place is, is just sharing the gospel with anybody that can, can, can receive it in any way, on any device, anywhere. We just love, love, love getting teaching into the hands of people around the world. But with that teaching comes a need for prayer. It comes a need for fellowship. It comes a need for doing life together. And even though we are an online campus, we can do life together. But we need your help. We need hosts. We need people who are willing to jump onto Facebook groups and just share and bind people together through the word of God. If that's you, please feel free right now to click on the link or click on the banner where you can help out around here. In 2020, we've got a renewed vision for what the online platform can achieve. But once again, it's going to take another bunch of people, another batch of volunteers, another batch of people that want to get involved to do more and go further. For 2021, we've been experiencing a large growth on our platforms. We think we've got to a place of stability, God willing, on all of the platforms. We are now poised to launch a brand new platform in the beginning of December, test it through December, and be ready to launch all of the platforms on the 1st of January, ready to go and ready to be used by God to spread teaching and the gospel around the world, even into places where the gospel isn't appreciated and Christians are persecuted. We are being able to reach people, and they're now able to call themselves Christians in a chat room. They are able to say, hey, I believe in Jesus in a chat room. They might not be able to do that to their family. They might not be able to do that publicly. But hey, they are confessing and professing their faith in Jesus Christ because of what we do here online. But it takes people like you. So first of all, to the hosts and all those who are working so diligently behind the scenes, thank you. But we're going to need a whole lot more like you in 2020. So hosts, why don't you tell people how awesome it is to be able to serve together, how awesome it is to be able to meet people from around the world who believe in Jesus Christ and just link arms as people tell of his story. We'd love for you to help out around here. Don't fret or fear. You don't need to be some computer guru. You don't need to be some social media junkie. You just have to have a really big love for God's word and for God's people, and you'll, be, you'll fit in brilliantly around here. If you're joining us for the first time and you haven't been kind of in the rhythm of our midweek messages, we kind of go out and about. We do them at a table. We're very relaxed on our midweek messages. And um, we just love chatting about the Word of God. And we've been having a look at a scripture in Romans that says, hey, there's consequences to sin and there's consequences to a life with Jesus. And we realized that sin wasn't actually what we did that was wrong, but how we approach God. If we lived our life devoid of God, we would be living a life of sin. And the consequences of that sin would be bad actions, bad habits, vices, things that we get trapped into, how we speak, how we act, how we behave, would all change if we weren't living our lives in the presence of God. Adam and Eve committed the first sin by withdrawing, hiding from God. They partook of the fruit, and then they hid from God, 
try to cover it over. And of course, shame hit them hard and they felt blame, shame and condemnation. God immediately said, hey, you might be feeling the consequences of stepping away from a relationship with me, but I'm going to bring about somebody and I'm going to bring about a whole process that's going to bring you consequences of life and not shame and condemnation. And so when we look at it, the consequences of sin, as Jesus said, as God said in the Garden of Eden, would be death. But he realized that that's not where he wanted to leave you and me. He didn't want to leave us sitting, wallowing in shame, wallowing in blame, wallowing in the consequences of our actions. No, he wanted to provide somebody something that could take those consequences and turn them around, turn them from blame and shame and condemnation into wonderful, glorious life. And because he took the time to express that promise in the Garden of Eden, right at the moment when Adam and Eve fell, we could begin even then unpacking the glorious consequences of the coming of Jesus Christ into this world. And as we get ready for Christmas, what a great time to be thinking through the consequences of Jesus Christ. And we're going to be starting a brand new series um, next week, midweek series here online, talking about the fact of Christmas. Is it just a commercial pagan holiday or is it a time when we can take a moment and celebrate Jesus for all that he is and all that he's done for us. We're going to be taking a look and gradually building up to that announcement that Jesus was coming and what happened in the heavenlies to make sure that Jesus was good to go and he was going to change the world forever. So I can't wait to get into our Christmas build-up series starting next midweek. We've been having a look up until now as we begin to conclude this Consequences series, and this is the last message in the Consequences series, but we've had a, having a look at what does it mean to really and genuinely be living a life in, in, in the consequences of Jesus. Jesus says, Romans says to us that, hey, when we live life with Jesus, we're going to have life, an eternal life. Many of us, some of our lives, we kind of go, I wish that ended. I can just go and be with Jesus. I'm tired of all the, the issues and concerns and the pains and the hurts and my body that's just aging and my sight that's just giving up and all these things that weigh down on us. We kind of sometimes just want to throw our hands up and say, hey, Jesus, come and take me. But Jesus is saying that you're going to have impact on the earth forever. You're going to have impact not only in this life, but way beyond into eternity. So we better get used to Having the power and the impact that Jesus brings into our lives, we better learn how to manage that. We better learn how to use that. We better learn how to walk in that. Because Jesus brings us into the presence of God. That was Jesus' purpose. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so Jesus brings us into the presence of God. And we know that the presence of God brings life. Beautiful, wonderful life. But we know too that when we step away from the presence of God, we're going to start walking in the consequence of being away from him. We're going to start walking in the consequences of sin. And if you want to listen to that whole series, man, I can't believe it's almost been 12 solid sessions of looking at the consequences of sin and the consequences of the Christ. And uh, we conclude tonight by concluding our discussion in Romans chapter 8. Now we realize that, hey, Jesus came to our world, but we also stepped into his. He called us through his resurrection to be presence with God. Remember, Jesus came and walked and lived amongst us. But then when he was resurrected, Scripture says we went with him because we were in him and he was in us. So he left himself here with us, but he also took us with him. Kind of a supernatural thing that he did for us. 
And so in that moment of resurrection, Jesus was raised, resurrected, went up and returned to the Father and seated us with him at the right hand of the Father. In other words, Jesus came into our worlds naturally to introduce us to our new world supernaturally. He came into our world in the natural so that we could exist with him in the supernatural. It's not just about Jesus coming into my life that I have to think about. It's also about, hey, how am I walking out my life in the presence of God because of what Jesus did for me? And we've begun to understand that living a supernatural life isn't necessarily just talking in tongues or falling down in the front of this church. No, living a supernatural life meaning is means to live every moment, every decision, every learning, every pain, every growth point, every success, everything that we think about, living our entire existence, living it in the presence of God. And when we begin to unpack the power of what that means, it means that we can even take our weaknesses to God. We can even take our concerns to Him. We don't have to hide anything from Him. Now, I remember when I was a, a little boy, I'd, I'd drive off to our then church, and um, I'd be driving with my mom and dad, and there'd be tension in the car. Three kids, mom and dad, there'd be tension. We'd be rushing to get there, and there'd be tension, sometimes even heated argument. My dad was one of those guys who never used to vocalize his arguing. He always used to just use that, that silent, passive-aggressive, and then he used to have a look that you just knew he was ticked off with you. In all of that tension, in all of that moment of difficulty and, and tension going to church, I kind of got confused because I aligned kind of going to church as having to step into the church and hide what had just been happening. Hide the bad points about myself. Hide the argument that had just happened in, in the car. And then we stepped into church and we put on our Sunday smiles. Maybe you went to a church where you had to put on your Sunday best because your normal wasn't good enough. You see, God looks at you and says your normal is what he wants. He doesn't want your Sunday best. He wants you. He'll turn you into the very best 24-7, seven days a week. He doesn't need you to put on an act when you're around him. He just wants you to live everything, your entire life with him. That's the incredible thing about living in a supernatural space is because past hurts, when we, when we, when we remember past hurts in the presence of God, they become our strongest and uh, our, our, our strengths, they become our greatest strengths, our, our hurts and our, our concerns and our weaknesses and our doubts about ourselves and whether or not we'll achieve anything. When we, when we reason with those things with God and his scriptures, he takes things that we think are so weak and insignificant and he turns them into something supernaturally incredible. It's called the widow's might. And Jesus was saying, hey, when you give, when you give of yourself, when you give of your very last, when you give of your very worst, when you give of your very best, when you think through things with God, and when you reason with God, hey, he's going to step up and turn that into something incredible. When you bring your brokenness to Jesus, he gives you healing. But we have to bring our brokenness to Jesus to receive that healing. We have to live in his presence for him to step into our world and impact our world. Now, we've been having a look at what that looks like in Romans chapter 8, and I really want to encourage you, if you haven't made a study of Romans chapter 8, please jump onto our Facebook group over this next couple of weeks. We're going to be having a look at a verse-by-verse -verse discussion 
Over the next 38 days, I'm going to be at some point during the week recording a little bit of a video of every single verse on our Facebook group. You can jump on and have a look at that. Romans chapter 8 radically changed the way I approach Jesus. I knew that Jesus had approached me, but I had to get my mind into gear that I was now living in the supernatural presence of God. And everything I do is done in the presence of God. Jesus is on the inside of me. Where I go, he goes. What I see, he sees. What I feel, he feels. What I think, he's, no, he knows about. And so, hey, I needed to understand how this operates. I had a very clear picture of Jesus stepping into my world, but I didn't have a very clear picture of what it looks like to live in the presence of Jesus every single day. And so Romans chapter 8 jumps out at me. This Romans chapter 8 starts off, as we've discussed, with no condemnation, verse 1. And it ends off in verse 38 with the expression that there'll be no separation with us and God. So God doesn't condemn us, and he wants nothing to get in the way of ever loving, of ever stopping to love us. He always wants to love us. And in between, because he's chosen us and he's declared us good and he's not condemning us and pushing us aside, he's pulling us in. And because he will allow nothing to stop you knowing of his love, because of those two ingredients... You can live a life of never having to fail. Whoa, that's quite a statement. Didn't Adam and Eve fail in the presence of God? No, it's because they withdrew from the presence of God and didn't take their failings to God that they had a problem. Could you imagine a moment where Adam and Eve had realized that they'd done wrong and when God came looking for them, had turned to him and said, Father, what did we do? What did we, what, how does this work? What do we need to do to make it right with you? How do you what's going on? How, if they had taken their weakness to him, I think the outcome might have been a whole lot different for them. Because you see, God wants us to just be who we are with him. He'll change us. He'll grow us. We don't have to work hard. We don't have to go and have personality plastic surgery or emotional healing by some... No, if we just bring who we are right now in our current circumstance to Him and realize that we are in His presence, that's all we have to do supernaturally. The Holy Spirit will then guide us of what we have to do to change and walk our life accordingly. So when we have a look at this Romans chapter 8, I wanted to pick up today's discussion by reading a verse near the end and then going back and seeing how that's possible. Let's have a look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 30. It says this, God speaking about us. He says, and having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. I want you to read that scripture again out loud. It's in the notes. But this time round, I want to put your name and you in place. So I'm going to read it as if it's me. I want you to do the same with your name and with you. And having chosen Craig, he called him to come to him. And having called Craig, he gave him right standing with himself. And having given them rights, giving him right standing, he gave Craig his glory. Wow. Wow. Here I am limping along thinking I could never be right with God. I could never be good enough for God. And the first thing I need to know, according to Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, God didn't say no to me. He chose me. I don't know about you, but I used to go out in the, in the sporting, in, in, the, in the playground during school, and we'd pick teams for the soccer or for the rugby, touch rugby games that we'd play at break time. While we're mentioning rugby, big shout out to South Africa and the South African World Cup. 
I'm so very sorry, Annie. I'm so very sorry, all those in the United Kingdom. You, you lost to the greatest rugby team of all time. I'm joking. Our commiserations to the English and our celebrations with our South Africans. But when I would go out in the, in the, in the, in the playground and, and there'd be the two guys that would always be the most popular, they would choose their teams. And I always used to sit there the, with a pit in my stomach going, please don't leave me. Don't let me be lost. Don't let me be lost. Don't let me be lost. I felt condemned. I felt ashamed. I felt alienated. I felt left out. Well, no, this scripture tells me that God right off the bat picks me. He picks you. He chooses you. He doesn't condemn you. He doesn't push you away. In fact, he looks right at you and says, it's you that I want. It's you that I choose. And so when we have a look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 30, the first thing it says, I put it in bold, is he's chosen you. He's chosen you by not condemning you. Don't think that to be chosen by God, you have to feel his love and his warmth and, and be embraced by him daily. And you're going to have this massive supernatural experience. All of those things will happen. But by being chosen by God just means he didn't condemn you. Remember, God has every right to turn you aside, to turn me aside. But by not condemning us, just by not condemning us, he's saying to you, I love you and I choose you. It doesn't have to be some crazy supernatural experience. It just means that you need to embrace that God has not judged you and thrown you away. He, in fact, is loves you and pulls you close. The second thing that Romans chapter 8 verse 30 says is that he calls us, he makes us right, and he gives us glory. Through his no condemnation, we have been chosen. But let's have a look back in those verses, how we are called, how we are justified, and finally, how we are made holy. Romans chapter 8 and verse 18 says this, Yet what, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Here we go. If you're living a life of the supernatural, you are in constant desire to have revelation of God's glory. If you want to walk and live life in the presence of God, you are constantly seeking out revelation of that presence. You are constantly seeking out where God is moving, what God's doing. You are seeking out the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You are seeking out any tool that can give you a glimpse of your life seated next to God. That scripture says that nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us. There is a constant process of revelation of God's glory in your life. We should be chasing that with everything that we've got. You've heard God call you. You've heard him say that there's no condemnation. It's now up to us if we want him to live the supernatural life to constantly be seeking the next supernatural story, the next revelation that God wants to share with you. Revelation of Jesus Christ is what the final book of the Bible is all about. God wants you to know what heaven looks like. He wants you to catch a glimpse of the house that Jesus has prepared for you, that he's gone away to build for you. He wants you to catch a glimpse of what a life looks like constant in constant conversation with the Father. Read the Bible, pray, be in submission to those around you, and figure out what God is saying to you. That scripture says that we will only get into a place of glory if we are in a process of revelation. Can I say that again? We'll only move towards a place of glory if we are in a process of revelation. 
Romans chapter 8 and verse 21 says that once we get a revelation, once we understand that we are living in the presence of God, He has chosen us and He has called us to live in the presence of God and He calls us through revelation. The revelation knowledge of who God is in our lives and who we are in God's world will start allowing us to become unshackled from the things that pull us down. Romans 8.21 says this, Because the creation itself will also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into what? Into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Everything is being released from bondage through what? Through revelation of who God is in your life. If you are suffering from an addiction right now, if you're suffering from a behavior that you just can't get out of, something that you need to change in your life, seek God and seek Him and live your life with Him present in that bondage, present in that struggle, present. You don't have to do it on your own. You don't have to run off to the tree of knowledge of good and evil and try and work it out for yourself. No, take it to God and let Him work it out for you. Let Him work it out with you. To be called means that you respond. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody phones me and says, hey, come on over to my place today, and I don't know their address, I need some revelation of where I'm going to respond to the calling. If they phone me up and invite me, I better know where I've got to go to respond to the invite. So when God has called us by not condemning us, we need to be able to know where we're going to respond. It's not that God has stopped calling us. It's that we have got into a place of not seeking out the revelation of where God is in our lives, what God is doing in our lives. We've stopped seeking out the revelation and we found ourselves trapped in the bondage. Step number one of living a supernatural life is to respond to the calling of no condemnation. We do this through constantly walking out a process of revelation and constantly unshackling ourselves from the bondage of this world through deliverance. That's how we are called. If I am handcuffed to the pillar or the wall in my house, and I don't know where I've got to go to respond to the invitation of my friend to come and have a barbecue with them to celebrate the victory of the rugby. When I don't know where I have to go and I'm shackled to where I am, I will never respond to the calling of God. We know where to go by seeking out the revelation of God's presence in our life. And we get unshackled from where we are so we can go to where God wants us to be by unshackling ourselves from the corruption and the bondage of this world. The corruption and the bondage of this world is sin. And the only way we can flee sin is to get a revelation of where God is and move towards Him. Remember, we are living supernaturally by living in the presence of God, not living in the presence of our entrapments and our bondage. Revelation of who God is and where He wants you to be is what will unshackle you from death and move you towards his presence, which means life. Then he says, while you're journeying, while you're moving towards me, while you're embracing living a life in my presence, I better bring you into line. I better get you with the right equipment. I better give you the right tools. I better give you everything you need to walk out this life. And so in, in the next section of Romans chapter 8 and verse 30, it tells us that we have been made right. Another word for being made right with God is justified. Jesus made sure that you have everything you need 
to feel confident about living a life in the presence of God. You see, a lot of us don't want to have revelation of what it looks like to live in the presence of God is because we're too scared because we think that what we have is not good enough. Well, what you have is not good enough. It's like filthy rags. That's why Jesus had to come along and give you everything you need so that you could step into God's presence, revelation, deliverance. You could step into God's presence confidently knowing you have everything you need. That is what it means when we have a look at this justified. Jesus has given you everything you need to be aligned to the Father. By this you will know that they are my disciples if you have love amongst yourself. Jesus gave us the love so that we could be aligned, have the right flag, fly the flag of the Father. Everybody who looks at us will know in which camp we sit. We sit aligned. We sit justified. We sit called by. We sit revealed to. We sit completely free from and free unto God himself. And this is what it means when Romans chapter 8 and verse 23 says, not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. We don't even know what we have to say. We don't even know what we have to do. But the Holy Spirit given to us will give us everything we need to say, give us everything we need to do, and give us every gift we need to be able to walk out a life in the presence of God. I know that my love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, mildness, and self-control on my own is like filthy rags. But when I allow the Holy Spirit to remind me that Jesus has given me all of those things through his justifying act on the cross, I now have everything in me that shows that I am living a life with God. And I can step into that revealed life with confidence, not with shame, not with guilt, not with condemnation, but with confidence. The second thing he gives us to allow us to be aligned to him is a special gift. It says this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 24, For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. If you can see it, that's not hope. It's reality. And we know that our kind of hope is in the things unseen. You can't see that I'm living in the presence of God. We could see and we have proof that Jesus lived in our presence. That's reality. But living a life in a supernatural means that you develop an eye to be able to see the unseen. See that which is not evidenced. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. You see, God understands that not only does he have to give you the gifts of the things that you need so that you can step in unashamedly into the presence, he also needs to give you a special kind of divine faith, one that operates in the unseen. I have faith in the fact that the sun will come up tomorrow. Why? Because I've seen it come up so often. But that's not divine faith. That's kind of a human expectation. I never approach the throne room with that human expectation of God. Hey, if I give, you'll give back. If I pray, you'll answer. No, I don't come to him with a human expectation. I come and live my life in the presence of a supernatural God because I have a divine ability to see things that are not yet, 
to not know what to expect, but to live my life in that place of the unexpected, that place of the excitement, that place of that tangible passion. Even though we don't know where we're going, we know we're going towards living a life in the presence of God, and that's all that matters. That kind of hope, that kind of faith is not a human thing. It's not something we can conjure up. It's not something we can sing up, pray up, read up, work up. No, our faith is a divine gift that God has given us because he knew that the kind of faith we would need to be able to step into the presence of God, unlike the Israelites who didn't want to step into the presence of God because they had no faith, they had no divine hope, they only had Moses as their hope. So they sent him up on up to see God. No, God knew that if his people was going to genuinely embrace in revelation, in liberation and deliverance, in this process of being made complete, in this process of being aligned and justified, in this process, if he knew that if his people had to embrace that, he would have to give them a divine kind of hope, the kind of faith that he has, where he can see things and know things will happen even though they're not there or haven't occurred yet. So he gave us this divine faith, this divine kind of hope that sees things that aren't there, that calls things as, the, as they are, as though they are, as, that are not as though they are. So he gives us revelation. He delivers us. He aligns us to the Spirit. He gives us a divine kind of hope. And finally, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 26 to 27, as it moves towards no separation, he gives us promises. Promises are his words. Have a look at what it says in Romans chapter 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. We do not know what we should pray, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts, Jesus, knows what the mind of the Spirit is. So the Spirit understands the promises that we need in a situation, and Jesus, who knows the mind of the Spirit, gets to work in making intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The, the Spirit listens to us and tells Jesus. Jesus listens to the Spirit and tells the Father. The Father speaks the promises that come to reality. You see, this is the way God cleanses us and makes us holy. He makes us holy from doubt. He makes us holy from shame. He makes us holy from the acts and the behavior of the consequences of sin by giving us a promise that far transcends anything we even know what to speak. Sometimes we'll go into a situation and we'll think, I know exactly what to say. And we get there and we say it and it kind of falls flat. That's because our man-made promises are based on Jesus stepping into our lives. But embracing supernatural promises gets us unclipped from the things of this world, and we step into a realm that is holy, that is pure. Pure because there's no untainted promises in the world of God. There's no falsified hope in the realm of God. There's no impure thought that it might not happen in the realm of God. There's no worry of a broken promise in the realm of God. All of those things through his word and his promise has set us aside into a world that is holy, pure, and true. It is his word and his promise. Not the ones that we can think up. No, us embracing his promises in the supernatural is what make us holy. The Holy Spirit never gossips about you. The Holy Spirit never speaks badly of you. He always thinks that you're pretty amazing. And he's always telling Jesus, who can seek out your heart and see that that's true, 
thinks that you're grand, thinks that you're awesome. And Jesus goes along to the Father and said, Hey, Dad, all the plans that we had, me to go and die, releasing the Holy Spirit, that's all working for Craig. That's all working for you, Anne. That's all working for you, Tom. That's all working for you, Misty. That's all working for you. It's working for you because you have been declared holy through his promises and now supernaturally through revelation, through that incredible thing called revelation, that incredible thing called deliverance, that incredible thing called justified, that incredible thing called divine faith, that incredible thing called his promises makes you good to live a life in the presence of God. Notice you've done nothing to live in that presence. You've just received all of those things. His love does supernatural things to us. Just embracing what it says in Romans chapter 35 to 38 in conclusion does something crazy to our minds. Listen to this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors. We are supernatural through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The consequence of Jesus, the consequence of the Christ, is that we begin to embrace supernaturally the love of God in his presence. And when we embrace the love of God in his presence, we become more than a conqueror and we're able to walk through anything. Our own weaknesses, our past, our future, whatever comes, we, because of Jesus, can walk it out in the presence of the most high God. Amen to that. Amen and amen. Well, I hope that you've been able to enjoy that today as we just discuss some more words from the book of Romans, which teaches us how to walk out a life in the supernatural, how to walk out a life in the presence of God. I hope and pray that you have come to a new decision today, whether that's to receive Jesus into this crazy world of yours, or whether that's just to kind of be walking out with a new understanding of revelation for God. Hey, why don't you click on that banner? I raised my hand right now. Just put your hand up and say, yeah, something changed in my mind today. I want to go and study something. I want to go and reason something. I need help with something. I need this. I need that. Just click on that banner. It's not for you to make some big confession or, or, or share your, your secrets. No, it's just to say, hey, I want help with or I need to process this. That was an interesting point and it changed my thinking. Whatever it is that changed your thinking today, I'd love to hear from you personally and respond. And hey, maybe introduce some of those questions, some of those processes that you're going through into our Bible study as we embark on 38 days of Romans chapter 8, uh, having a look at each word, uh, verse day by day as we journey towards living in the presence of God. The consequence of Jesus is that right now you are already living, seated at the right hand of God in his presence, much loved and spoken highly of by the Holy Spirit, interceded by Jesus Christ, and loved by the Father. Isn't that awesome? Hope that you've enjoyed today. Looking forward to seeing you this weekend, and we'll be online right the way through the weekend. So get a, find a date, find a friend, get the, your friend in the chat room, get them embracing online church, 
I know that you probably know some people that might not be able to go to church, might not be able to find a church. Hey, take a look at the schedule and you'll be able to invite them to come along with you. They can be in their living room. You can be in your living room and we can do church together. Looking forward to seeing you again really, really soon here at Victory Life Church online. You be blessed. 